Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and this is our year-end series, Dialogues, where in each episode, I'm sitting down with a different guest to dialogue with them on a different theological topic, running down a couple... um, Significant questions, questions that people normally ask about these different theological topics. And for today's episode, our guest is the guestiest guest of them all. The the guy who basically... You're just going to have to make him the co-host eventually, if it wasn't for the fact that he has so many other podcasts. Joshua Knoll. Josh, welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, always glad to be here. It's one of my favorite podcasts. So it's kind of fun because then when I'm listening, like right now... You're listening, Josh, and you're going, wow, that's you on one of your favorite podcasts. And it is. And this is fun. Very meta moment for me. Everyone else is confused with what's happening here. Well, that's the fun part about being a podcaster (laughs) is we get to break the rules of physics, time travel, and all that good stuff. Yeah. I can directly speak to myself. No, you don't need the Snickers bar. There. That'll be helpful later. He'll know what that means later, too. (laughs) Also, there's going to be a great pop culture reference in this episode that, although I'm not a fan of this saying, if you know, you know, you're just you'll pick it up here in a second because, Josh, you're different from everybody else. We kind of knew that, but you're different from everybody else because (laughs) (laughs) because you called dibs on one of the questions several months ago. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget because I knew this was important to you. And despite your best efforts, you actually called dibs on the section from the book that I'm using for this series that I was going to throw to you anyway. So our... our th- yeah, it's really worked out. Our theme here today, our, our topic is hard questions. And these are not hard questions like... Well, actually, yes, to some degree, these are the hard questions that we have as humans because our understanding just kind of runs out. We are limited. These are a lot of the questions that, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, there is maybe at first reading kind of a contradiction or because God is not human and we are just creatures, we can't fathom everything about God. And I was going to throw this section to you because you've talked about it a little bit before, and I was going to ask if you could share a little bit again how there was a moment in your life where you started digging into these questions because you wanted to know what you really believe. You're almost going through, it sounded like a a bit of a crisis of faith, and you wanted to spend time knowing what does the Bible say about some of these things. Do you mind sharing with us again about that? Yeah. Um, wow, that made a lot more noise than I thought it would switching hands. But I, um, speaking of suffering, no, the um, the point in my life, I had gone through some heavy, difficult stuff. Ironically, it's not the accident. I feel like a lot of people who know my history, you know, they know I was in this car accident. I almost died and all that. And I think a lot of people, when they hear me talk, this, go, oh, after that, he had a crisis of faith. No, actually, my faith was stronger than ever through all of that. And it was in part because I had a, another very personal event to me and other individuals, which is why I don't say exactly what it is, because, you know, privacy. Um, but yeah, I, I've gone through some loss. I've gone through 
some emotional relationship trauma for me. It was traumatizing. Other people, maybe not. You know, trauma is different for everybody. And I was really angry. I actually had, um, I'm going back a little bit. So I was in high school and I basically, in my mind, mind you, I grew up very Pentecostal. So we had a different idea of how God worked sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes being younger, you don't understand everything that everyone's saying. So you kind of have some um, misconceptions about even what your own people believe more or less about them. I remember having prayed to God and basically said, God, I'm fully yours. I'm fully all in for all of this stuff. I'm going to do everything. I just need you to give me this one thing. And more or less, that one thing wasn't just ripped away from me. It was completely destroyed, lit up in fire and just scorched. And then the ashes were then also taken and scorched for some reason. Um, yeah, no, just, you know, trying to be visual here <laughs> without sure. getting into detail. Um, and for me, I was like, okay, well, I had a promise me, I had a, I asked for one thing, God, and you couldn't give me the one thing. So yeah, I was like, oh, what a cool God. I literally spent, for me, I spent my whole life, I read the Bible like 12 times a year at least. Um, I still do that. I did all the dogmatic stuff, you know, didn't lie, didn't steal. To me, I basically lived as a prisoner doing all of the Bible dogmatic rules that you're always taught in like Pentecostal Baptist Church kind of stuff. And... I don't even know if I ever really made a slip up. Like usually people are like, oh yeah, then I went to a life of party. Nope. Mm -mm. Did everything right. And then um, God took the one thing I asked for me. And I was pissed off. And I was like, yeah. But I'm too much of a thinker to be like, well, I'm mad. God must not be real. I went into the research. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to prove God's not real. Because I wanted to justify it to myself so I could just leave all this alone and move on with my life. And we can all tell how that went. <laughs> Didn't go great. Um, and for me, and this is where I'm going to disagree some with some of your previous guests on this, even I found sections in the scripture to, to me still, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that's a contradiction that both of these things can't be true to me. But then I found different books about, uh, hermeneutics. I found different ways of looking at the Bible. And I went, what if I'm just reading it wrong altogether? Cause I just kept digging for some reason, you know, I feel like a normal person in my situation might have been like, okay, I found the contradiction, it's all false, moving on, hardcore atheist now. Me being me, I just kept doing research, kept doing research, and kept doing research. I think it was like a coping method. I don't know. Sure. But I kept finding these things of like reading it different, relating to God differently, and it not being about all these rules and dogmatic stuff. And then, you know, um, even the way for me, I fall kind of in between Pete Inns and Trimper Longman when we're looking at like uh, Genesis, where Trimper Longman thinks, you know, the beginnings, very figurative, metaphoric. And then eventually, when we're getting like that 11, later on to like after chapter 11, it gets into like more historical stuff. Pete Inns is like, yeah, no, all of this is just metaphor. <laughs> and I kind of fall in between where I'm like, yeah, um, for me, Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2 through 3, they tell two different creation stories and they don't give it in the same order. So they can't both be true to me. So I was like, oh, something's got to give. And eventually I said, what if it all kind of gives? What if it's not this dogmatic hard thing where I'm bound to law, but rather a relationship and it's more about who this God is and who is being talked about in the Bible and why it's there rather than doing exactly what it says, more who and why. All right. Very interesting. 
and also weighing in on some of the conversations or some of the dialogues we've had over the recent weeks in the show. Yeah, cheated. Yeah, you cheated. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's an interesting. And like you said, a lot of people go through this kind of phase because it seems like most people do, at least people who have grown up in the church, kind of go through this phase at some point where they go, now, wait a minute. What about some of this stuff? And it is interesting to see how, as you as you said there, you go through this journey, and even though you were coming up against these roadblocks, you went, "Is it me? Is it is it is it a me thing? Is it a human thing rather than a a God thing? Like this all cannot be true because God. What if this all can't be true because of who I am, of who we are as humans, and our limitations, yeah. and just the way these are written?" Interesting. Yeah, I want to. I'm trying to think of who it was. I, I, I want to say it was J.I. Packer, but I might be making this up and putting words in his mouth. So feel free to ignore that. It was somebody who I thought was an important theologian. I could say that much. Okay. But when they were um, they were talking about inerrancy, and it was like when we first started kind of using that word, and the way it was defined was more not everything is exactly true, but more what was meant to be said what was meant to take away from that that is what is completely true and without mm -hmm. error so you know when i go through genesis 1 i don't take it as the author was trying to tell us literally how things was created i can look at that and go what was the message here and the message here is one of humans having importance god caring deeply about us and whether it's figurative like relative literally true or not that part is inerrant. That part definitely is true. And, you know, I go through all of that. Um, and I think the part where that gets trickiest is when you get to the Gospels. Because a lot of times in the Gospels, what's meant to be said is literally, here is Jesus' story. In which case, it just is. Or is not, you know? Yeah. yeah. Sure. And uh, you haven't heard this episode yet because it hasn't come out. But uh, this does come up a little bit when I dialogue with Pastor Will over the Bible. Great we guy. we were going to dialogue about the Bible, and this has already come out in the order of the episodes. Time yeah, back to that, back to that time travel thing. And one of the questions that we dialogue over is: Is the Bible God's word? And we mm. just kind of pick that apart a little bit. I think in every episode, there's been a question where me and the guest pick apart the question a little bit because you can tell there's a little bit of like a motive behind the mm -hmm. question that is being yeah. asked. Um, <clears throat> Cause these questions come from like a book, right? Yeah. I was going to get into that here in a second because that sets up the Sorry. pop culture reference part. Um, but yeah, like we, we do talk, we are, we do dialogue about that of this whole, like there's what, even what we mean by inerrancy, that word inerrancy. Yeah does change depending upon who you are, your tradition, historical, modern, just everything. Yeah. Not everyone has always believed every single word on the page is literally true. And even at that, that statement is still false because poetry. Yeah. Also, um, just to throw my two cents out there really quick. Sure. Uh, one, uh, God breathed into mankind. So yeah, anytime God inspires us, it makes sense to say it's God's word. Like I don't think that's really that much of a stretch. Okay. But you know, I think that's just a really weird loose term. So I'm I'm interested to hear that episode that's already come out to hear how they all answer that. Um but as far as like 
What was the other thing you just said? I had a thought and I thought I could stall and remember it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I forgot you have ADHD. You just said I should speak yeah. quicker. <laughs> sorry. No, um, you're good. Uh, you're, you're talking about even as far as it all be. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, because uh, you mentioned how we haven't always believed this. Yeah, um, and you can see a lot of the stuff is actually fairly recent, and that's something that I was just lied to when I grew up in the church, and I feel like it's because people didn't know better. But sure. you know, they were like, "Oh, it's tradition." You know, we've always believed this, and why all of a sudden do your new ideas make more sense? Well, they're not new ideas; they're ideas that um, the church had two thousand years ago. We, they didn't think Genesis one was relative was <laughs> literal well before evolution. It wasn't like we found this and went, "Oh, now all of a sudden we're going to change how we read this." No. We've literally always disagreed about how to read that. It's not new. As I have brought up time and again, if you don't believe us, go read what Augustine wrote about creation. We all love Augustine. Everybody on every side <laughs> seems to love Augustine. Go read it. Yeah. I think it's in his confessions, like the ending part, he gets into creation just go read what he has to say about it. If you're having a hard time believing that yeah. people may not have always thought that what is on the page literally means exactly what it says. And King James isn't the oldest translation. Moving on. That too. Okay. So as Josh mentioned, for those of you who are coming in for the first episode, these questions are coming from a book. And in this book, there are 50 five zero questions. When Josh found out, he called dibs <laughs> on question number 42. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I was trying to figure out why I would have dibs one of these. And now I get it. It's it question number yeah. 42. 42. Yeah. Perfect. So shall we begin? Shall we begin yeah. now with yeah. question number 42? Yeah, we're just going to let everybody figure out the reference on their own. I mean, yeah. Google is free. They can figure yeah, it out. It of course, I guess if you just put in the number 42... Who knows what'll yeah. come up? The internal life, universe, everything. Jackie Robinson just it just comes up <laughs> to a lot of different things. Why does God allow so much suffering? Hmm. Because this is like over on Whole Church, at least a yeah. while ago. I don't know if y'all are still doing it or doing like we're walking through the Book of Job, and this is kind of like yeah. the big the big question of the book of Job, right? Like why does good things happen, or why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow Satan, the tempter, whoever to go mess with Job for this period of time? Like why does God allow so much suffering? I have a lot to say about this and I just having a hard time organizing it. Let's start at the okay. beginning. Um, when you come to the end, stop. Yeah. Uh, so in Genesis, if you're a careful reader, and, and I think this is important whether you believe inerrancy, literal, whatever or not, um, there's a point where he says the work will increase your suffering, which directly says then that there was suffering before sin. Sin is not okay. the sole cause of pain. It is what made pain worse. Um, and if you watch the biblically inspired Disney Pixar film Inside Out... <laughs> You All know right. that these other emotions actually do play an important part to our growth, to our full experience as human. Um, in, in one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes, they say that sadness is just happiness for deep people. And I, the more I get older, the more that makes sense. The more I'm like, yeah, sometimes 
it's raining and just going outside and listening to a sad song is great. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But so, so on the one hand, I, I got to say, I just think that we have a misconception about suffering. I think we live in a hedonistic culture and we okay. have prioritized happiness and feeling good over God himself. And we've made a God out of happiness. Um, okay. Which, wow, Inside Out is just so relevant. But, but I really do. I think we've made a God out of happiness and how everybody should feel happy. But that's not how we were created. And I think that's part of what causes suffering is that we live as happiness being our God. And then we're so miserable because we're not happy all the time because we that's not what we were meant to be. Okay. So I, I think there's one there that we need to have a better appreciation for anxiety, fear, sadness, all of those things. We need to appreciate um, a little bit of Taoism thrown in here, if you don't mind. <laughs> mind. Sure. There's a photo I love that's, um, it, it's in a few famous places, but my, my favorite place you can find it is in the, um, the Tao of Piglet. <laughs> it's a book about okay. Taoism of Winnie the Pooh. Um, okay, I think I've seen that one before. Actually, I think it's the Tao of Pooh in the Tay of Piglet. They're two different books. Anyway, oh, okay. One of them has the picture in it too. But it's a, uh, you know, Buddha tasting a thing of vinegar and he's making a that's bitter face because, you know, Buddhism mm-hmm. is all about life is bitterness, kind of finding escape. Um, Confucianus kind of tasting it and contemplating. Like you could tell he's thinking, what can I do with this to make it better? And then you have Confucius tasting the vinegar, just smiling. Like, this is great. It tastes like vinegar. Gotcha. Vinegar is supposed to taste like vinegar. And I feel like when we accept that, like, I feel like I'm not Taoist, but. I do think that God made us this way for a reason. And when we learn to accept that some things are meant to be that way, we're not meant to always be happy, that we can appreciate life better and be more joyful. And I'm being that annoying Christian to make a difference between joy and happiness, but there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part of the equation is um, suffering's not bad. Uh, okay. But also, I think usually when we talk about this, the, I think the question is probably more talking about the problem of evil and getting more at why is there thousands of people dying in Gaza right now? You know, that kind of thing. Why sure. doesn't God just immediately step down and go, yo, Israel, that's not what I meant. Hold up. You know, why didn't okay, God sure. personally come stop it? Um, and I know the classic evangelical answer is going to be free will, free will, free will. And I think that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. I also think God does intervene sometimes, and I also think of that uh, sometimes our religion is the fault of this. This is a reason for a lot of atheists is how much wars, including what's happening right now in Gaza, is, um, you know, God told Israelites this should be your land, and they still kind of hold on to that a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's other political stuff mixed in there, but you also have on the other side with, you know, Islam and the terrorist group uh, <laughs> Hamas and yeah, they believe that they have a religious right to the area. So, yeah, religion causes a lot of pain, a lot of struggle. And, man, that's something that's hard to really grapple with. Right now, what happens to not be Christians, I hate to tell you, it usually is. So, looking at it, like, um, why did God let the church have the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades? Sure. Um, you know, Lecrae phrased it once of, which is funny to quote a Christian rapper, but you know, I, I really like the line because it. The guy's a the, the guy is a theologian. He has a he, master's degree. He's like, <laughs> I love him. But he rephrases the question in one of his songs, and he goes, "Why does God allow pain?" And he goes, "Wait, no. The question is, why wouldn't God have stopped pain? Because you know the way to stop it: just get rid of humans. Problem mm-hmm. solved." And that, to me, I think reframing the question is. Yeah, 
why hasn't God just came down and just annihilated us all? Because even if there was two of us, even if, and I hate to tell our listeners this, if it was just Brandon and I left on the planet, somehow, given enough time, I'm going to cause Brandon pain. Brandon's going to cause me pain. Because humans kind of, we fell in, we have fallen from grace, we, have, we are sinners. And that's just what we do. And it's only by the mercy of God that he doesn't stop suffering by coming down and wiping us all out. Um, and I know, yeah, that's a cheap, you know, way out. But I think it's a really important way to rephrase that question. When you're thinking of why doesn't God stop suffering? Yeah, why doesn't he? Not but for the grace of Jesus. And Jesus is suffering. Are we lucky enough that God doesn't come down and stop it? He's given us time, shown us mercy. And, um... Yeah, sorry for the for the cheesy, like escaping <laughs> the question kind of thing, but I, I think that's probably well, where I land on it. Well, even at that though, I think you did a really good job with this question of reframing it because I have found that when this question often comes up, it's more rhetorical than mm-hmm. it is like a heartfelt question. I'm sure you find people who are like. No, I want to know, why does this happen? But I think a lot of times this question comes from a heart that is already in pain. You know, this is not coming from someone who's sitting around musing, you know, in the thinking pose going, why does God allow (laughs) suffering? No, it's, it's because the person is suffering. Now, but I think what that said, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say, since we're both Lewis guys, we have to throw out you can't not read Lewis's problem of pain and then immediately you have to immediately read a grief observed. He wrote oh, problem yeah. of pain when he was just thinking like, Hmm, why is there pain? And then um, grief observed happened and you're like, crap, I wonder what would happen if he would have had this before he wrote the other book. True. That is yeah. true. And for those of you who don't know, like, like Josh said, the problem with pain came out more as an intellectual exercise while the a grief observe was written just shortly after Lewis's wife had passed away. And it was, it's almost more like a journal when you say of just like him processing his yeah. grief. It's um, weird because most of Lewis's stuff I feel like is intellectually challenging. A grief observed is one of the few where it's like, it tugs on your heartstrings and you're kind of like your soul connects with it. I feel like it's, it's really mm-hmm. spiritually deep rather than just intellectually challenging. Agreed. And I don't know how you would do this. Well, I would like to maybe get some of your thoughts on this before we move on to the next question of, so let's say this isn't just an intellectual exercise like the two of us are doing right now. Let's say you're sitting with somebody who is grieving, who is wondering why does God allow suffering? I think what you did here of trying to reframe of like, yeah, some of these emotions, they're not a result of the fall. We were always supposed to have a healthy level of fear, a healthy level of anxiety, a healthy level of experiencing labor. If you don't like the words of pain and (laughs) suffering, experiencing labor in your work. Things aren't just supposed to like fly off the shelf easy. Um, but just understanding what suffering really is, what goodness really is. Like, how would you sit with somebody and help them rephrase this a little bit? 
I don't know if I would. Um, okay. When you're going through it, I, I think it's just important to first acknowledge that you're feeling what you're feeling and that those feelings are valid. Okay. That it's not blasphemy to challenge God. Um, I think one of the big things you brought up, Job, earlier, when we were doing Job, and for whole church, we go through and try to look at all the different views that things have and see, can we disagree and still have unity? Um, but I think, unless you're just misinterpreting Job, it seems pretty clear that God says Job was right. So Job questions God. He's upset. He feels all these terrible things. His friends are telling him all these different reasons why he might be feeling pain, right? Maybe it's because you sin. Maybe it's because your family sinned. Maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's so that you can you know, be a light to those around you and all those annoying, cheesy things that Christians still <laughs> say for some reason. And God mm -hmm. straight up shows up and goes, all of you were wrong, but he doesn't call out Job. Hmm. Instead, he says, Job, you're onto something. And, and you see, God doesn't admit that God was wrong. God still defends himself, but he says all those other things, that's wrong. But Job wasn't wrong. And I think it's okay, and you should. You should feel angry. You should feel upset. You're hurt, and that's okay. And when you go through Job, one of the interesting things is they kind of do this back and forth with the poetry, right? Where mm -hmm. the, it's kind of quoting other parts of the Bible, where the Bible says stuff like, oh, well, for sin this is why you're feeling this pain. And Job just takes the bar because that's not true. That's not true. And you see the Bible challenging the Bible. Um, when you study like world religion from like not like the Christian aspect, but just like outsider perspective, they call it a sacred contradiction. And all religions hmm. have this of... Yeah, there's some tensions and just the human experience that doesn't make sense. And this is one of those areas, and it's okay. It's okay that it doesn't make sense. It's okay to be mad at God, to be upset, to be hurt. And what's not okay, I think, is to sit there forever. But you can sit down. I think it's good. Okay. Well, with that in mind, are we ready to move to our next question? Yeah, that, to dial that was question number 42. That's a good one for... Also, Job 42 is an excellent chapter. It's actually the best chapter of Job. <laughs> is that the very end? Hang it. It's near the end. I think it's the behemoth or the Leviathan. It's one of them. Oh, like, and, oh, of okay. course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. All right. Well, let's move on now to what would be question number 43 for those keeping score at home. Um, <laughs> why is the God of the Old Testament so severe while the God of the New Testament is so loving. Josh, what say you? Can I be very annoying and say that this is a stupid question? Well, I mean, you've heard some of the other episodes. <laughs> you know we've picked some of these questions apart. So I don't like the question. Okay, how about this? Can we answer first and then pick it apart? Or do you need to pick it apart first in order to my, answer? My answer might be kind of picking it apart because... Okay, then it, let's it, go ahead. Assuming, it's assuming that the God of the Old Testament and New are so different. Um, The God of the New Testament has his own son murdered in the worst way possible, proceeds okay. to annihilate two-thirds of the world, and, like, was it one quarter still burned with fire? Talking Lighting about revelation. Of the world yeah. on fire is not some merciful, kind, soft God. True. Um, the God of the Old Testament, literally, people blaspheme him. He still finds time and time again to show the mercy, to bring them back to himself, to save 
these wretched evil people sometimes. And yeah, he definitely did burn Sodom to the ground, but not a quarter of the earth. <laughs> you know, True. Like, although he did flood the earth, depending on how you read that. But I mean, uh, yeah, that's not much different than destroying the earth again at the end. <laughs> at least this time he let some survive. Sure. Revelation, we're done. That's it. <laughs> you didn't make it. It's over. <laughs> um, and of course, this is a comfort zone who doesn't really believe all of this literally. So it's just kind of a, I'm kind of playing cheek and tongue a little bit, but also I'm just like, um, I feel like people who ask this just are people who grew up in church, heard the Sunday school version of the Old Testament where God did Sodom and Gomorrah and some of the other stuff, had Jonah saw the wheel, and all they know of the New Testament is Jesus walked around and was very cool. It was like, very cool. Yeah, but that's um, that also could lead into our third question. Um, also, just a misunderstanding of the Trinity. Um, yeah, Jesus is uh, different from God. Yes, they are the same. Not confusing at all. <laughs> Not confusing at all. So for you with this question, um, you just find this to be like a oversimplification of the situation? Yeah, I, I think it's because... It's sort of like when people say something like, oh, the MCU is over. It's boring now. And then you're like, have you seen Guardians 3? Like, yeah, that's great. That was this year, guys. So you mean <laughs> mostly it's more boring now. Okay, but what about Iron Man 3 or Thor <laughs> 2? Or they're like, oh, yeah, those suck. They're like, okay, so it's more just like a vibe thing? Or what do you mean? <laughs> more of a vibe thing. <laughs> That's what I feel like this question is. It's like, it's taking the highlights from both. Like, our favorite stories from the Old Testament are more violent, and our favorite from the New are less violent. And it's thinking, like, in that lens, rather than actually lining it up. And that makes sense. Because God does show a lot of mercy in the Old Testament. <laughs> that is true. And that is something that has always fascinated me, just how violent children's Sunday school classes are. <laughs> Technically, you know, yeah. you look like, Awful. why, why? And I know it's like a child, uh, yeah. it gets reimagined a little bit because it is children. Mm-hmm. Why do we teach them the story of Samson? Yeah. Samson, I get it. It's, it's low hanging fruit because there's like Superman related elements to the Samson story. By the way, we promised one pop culture reference and this has been nothing but pop culture references. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like the story, Samson is not a model oh, yeah. citizen, yeah. model Christian, model anything. That is not a story. Sex and violence. <laughs> sex and <laughs> violence. Um, you know, also, Christian and I, I did a about Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> Why did Disney pick that one? You picked the one about prostitutes and, <laughs> and gypsies sure. and like lust and you're like that'll make a great kids movie (laughs) that'll work that'll translate well for children sorry yeah and you go yeah you have like or i was gonna say you know christian and i just reviewed 300 for the uh ancient greece series and i had to run a little disclaimer of like if perchance you don't know what this is don't watch it with children how different is it from the actual Mm -hmm. events of yeah samson's life you know yeah. well it's like um so on our other podcast systematic ecology kino points out way early on and he's kept pointing it out he's like yeah you don't let your kids watch anime but you let them read the bible the bible has all of the same stuff you're concerned about that's in anime yeah yeah and i'm like yeah that's that, true yeah it's pretty true 
Um, I, I do think I have another thought with the question. Um, there's a lot more history in the Old Testament, so that could have to do with it too. Sure. A lot of your New Testament is letters of how we should behave, whereas a lot of the Old Testament is um, stories of what happened and uh, how humans didn't behave that way and what the results were. Yes. Yeah. And for those of you keeping along at home, you know that humans don't behave very well. Yeah. But uh, the parts that are history in the New Testament, like Acts, you still have um, two people who lied to the church about what they gave and God just struck them dead. <laughs> like, True. I mean, it's still there. Did, it's just that you did have happen. less of it, I guess, less history. And by necessary, by having less history, you're going to have less examples of that, I guess. Sure. And like, I can kind of understand to some degree, maybe some of the tension people would feel because I think the, uh, the rebuttal most people would have towards this question would be, yeah, but what about the taking of the land of Canaan? I think that's really where this question stems from. I don't think it's, well, we taught kids about David and Goliath, but we just removed the head cutting off scene. We, uh, VeggieTales figured out a way to teach us about David and Bathsheba. (laughs) Like, like, no, like we kind of, and I seem to, we both seem to be the only ones who are like, why Samson of all people? Can we talk about Deborah? Like, can we, can we (laughs) just spend more time in Ruth? Um, Yeah, but for some reason, but it it seems like for me with this first part of the that God seems so severe in the Old Testament comes from this place of people can't. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say can't. People have a hard time wrapping their heads around holy yeah. war. Essentially, so, I guess is what we should call it yeah. of Joshua taking the land of Canaan with through with Israel. Yeah, so you get some really interesting debates with this, too, of how much of that was literal or not. Um, and I mentioned them earlier, but Pete Inns and Trimper Longman, they have a lot of disagreements about this. Um, Controversies in the Old Testament by Trimper Longman. You should definitely read. And he even allows his friend, Pete Inns, to just come in and say, here's why I disagree with you. Oh, how <laughs> nice. Book, and it's great, yeah. Um, Pete kind of sees this as people understanding God in their own terms. They lived in a world of genocide and all this thing, so they understood God through those terms. And they just kind of misunderstood was basically kind of would be Peter's take on it. Um, Trimper Longman's biggest issue with taking it as metaphor or saying that it was just over contextualizing it that way is how many places in Psalms and different places that they use examples of this as God's goodness and glory. And if it didn't really happen, why would you use that as an example for God's goodness? You know, like, okay, interesting. Yeah, which I I kind of, I think Trimper won me over on that. I'm like, yeah, I guess he's right. But man, yeah, that's hard to circle. It's hard to circle. It is genocide, basically. Uh, why would God be like, yeah, that's cool? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's meant to be taken literal. I don't know any of those things. Um, that's one of those questions that's a little bit beyond me. I do think that God is over time or can see what's going to happen. I, you know, I don't really believe in time, so we get some weird stuff with temporal parts and etc. That we're not really here for right now. But um, well, let's just say wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Stuff, yeah, I, I would say most likely those things did happen, and God was good to Israel. But I don't think God's first desire was for genocide or any of that. Hmm. Um, I, I think that God blessed His people, and the whole world was cultured like that, and that was wrong. 
and God blessed his people in several other times. When we go through all of history, even at the church, of hedonism, of sex running rampant, and God looked at us and said, yeah, you're wrong, but I'm going to bless my people. And right now, we're probably doing all kinds of stuff that in 50 years, people will be like, that is terrible and evil and wicked and what's wrong with you guys? And God knew all of it and he's looking at us and he's loving us anyway. Um, I think it's one of those, God didn't love them by committing genocide, more or less. He okay. loved them to spite it. And yeah, I mean, it's something that's just hard to circle. It's one of those, I don't get it. And that's a terrible answer, but I'd rather be honest. Yeah, but, and I, w- I would agree with that. And I would add, it's be- I would almost rather be in a place of, I don't understand but it's in the Bible for a reason. Yeah. So I will seek to understand as far as I can, rather than say, as I've, I have heard some people say, well, I just don't believe that part. Yeah. And I, not like no, you were saying a moment ago of like a hermeneutic interpretation, but more of just like a, nope, just I'm yeah. going to pretend like those books don't exist. That's, say- I don't think that's the answer. For sure. Yeah, I can put off answers that I think are bad answers. That being one, sure. that I just don't believe in this part of the Bible. You can't just mm-hmm. pick and choose what you like of the Bible. Um, I, I think another bad answer that I really hate is when people go, oh, well, we all deserve this. And God knew what was going to happen. And he knew they were all sinners. So that's why he just wiped them out. Um, I also deserve it. God knew all the terrible things I was going to do before I did. Why didn't he kill me? Why doesn't that justify abortion? You know, God knew what was going to happen with his kid's life, and he just allowed them to be, you know, and I know some people view abortion differently, even within the church. I'm just, Mm -hmm. even as an example, not saying abortion's evil or anything, I'm just looking at it going, why wouldn't all evil people be aborted then if God knew ahead of time and just going to eliminate those people? Hmm. Um, So I just don't think that's a very satisfying answer either. I don't have a good satisfying answer. I, I think... I have to partially agree with both Pete Inns and Trimper Longman. They're both smarter than me. Um, you know, my other podcast is Dummy for Theology. I always tell you about smarter people and tell you to read their stuff, basically. And uh, right. I'm pulling that number. I don't know. I'm a dummy. Both of them have better answers. Read them. Think about it for yourself. But um, I think probably somewhere in between this idea that God was understanding that it was a culture, a worldwide culture of genocide. Um, and also... Maybe not all of it was actually God telling him to do these things. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, should we bring it in for a landing with a really easy one? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. What's a simple explanation of the Trinity? It doesn't and I... exist. <laughs> that would be the simple answer. There is no simple explanation of the Trinity. There is no, why is there no simple explanation? Because every time someone tries to do this, they say something really stupid that makes me mad. <laughs> it's always something like, well, think about like water, how water is steam and ice and liquid. And I'm like, but it's not all three of those at once, unless you get like superpositions, which that's not how God works. And now you're getting into weird science, but nobody understands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, like the water one is probably the worst. Yeah, it's awful. Um, for me, and this is going to go to um, whole church, we ecumenical aesthetics. When I talked about my favorite church icon. Mm-hmm. The best explanation is the Irish Trinity knot. It's just ah, an image. Yes, it is. It's an image 
it's got like a circle and it has this thing that does like three mm -hmm. you know i can't describe that with words it's why i think the image is a better explainer than any words but um right you can see there's definitely three distinct things here they're all also definitely the same thing and um i think that image kind of shows us something greater than what we're able to understand um it's like <laughs> TJ makes fun of me because we do like a speed round during whole church podcast and one of the questions mm -hmm. I throw in there sometimes is who or what is God um if you truly believe in a God that can be summarized in one sentence you don't believe in God because <laughs> he's definitely more complex than any of us could possibly comprehend or else we'd be the creators and he would be the created but since it's the other way around I don't think we can quite comprehend everything about him yet um sure and, and a cheesy stupid example much like my dad and the older i get the more i realize oh my dad's not perfect my dad still does this and hey i'm oh i do that oh that's why my dad did that all these years i'm still learning things the older mm -hmm. i get and i don't think i will ever be at an age where one day i'm like i fully understand my dad now this is why he did everything <laughs> he did <laughs> i'm always going to be learning and going oh man and then one day unfortunately if my dad passes before me which he likely will I'm just going to be left with all these questions going up. Mm -hmm. Why did he do that? Why did he say this this way? What did he leave this here for? You know? Um, and if that's true of my earthly father, man, yeah. Thinking I'm going to just that's be able sure. to understand my heavenly father in all of the Trinity. Nope. Mm -mm. No, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can really add much <laughs> to that because I, I definitely agree. There's, there's not a simple ex explanation. And actually, if you go back into the Wayback Machine uh, two <laughs> years ago now, uh, we did a whole episode. I did a whole episode here on MSL talking about the Trinity when I was in Systematic Theology 1 and just running down all these different examples and particularly the water one, how you're actually teaching more heresy than you are actual, oh, yeah. like, you know, that's bad. You know, orthodox, orthodox theology here. Uh, I would agree. I think just as an image, the Irish Trinity symbol is probably at least visually something that could help people understand. If we have to go with one of those, God is the Father is this, the Holy Spirit is this, Jesus is this, maybe the tree explanation kind of gets it pretty close. But honestly, like, as you said, there's not a there's not a concluding statement. There's not a concluding image that is going to summarize this because as you said it well with understanding your dad, like if we're not going to be able to understand people, we're not going to be able yeah. to comprehend all of who God is. And so anything in the created order is also going to fall short of an explanation. So I guess if you have to look for something, just stay away from the water. Stay away stay from the water. The water. Um, yes. Stay at the Trinity not for a while. And then here's my recommendation. I think the best way to understand the Trinity, this is going to sound so dumb. And, and not the best way to understand it, the best way to comprehend it better than you do currently, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, go to early church fathers and look up everything they pronounced as heresy around the Trinity and learn those. Because learning that's going to tell you, in, in my mind, that's helped me understand what the Trinity is a lot more than reading people try to explain it. That is always a helpful thing to do. I don't think we normally look at 
what not to believe. Well, not what not to believe, but like, here's all the wrong answers, you know, like we've sometimes we miss that step and understanding what something is not does help you like brush away to be able to see the picture a little bit more clearly, you know? Yeah. And also you'll learn a lot of the ways you were, people try to explain it to you were probably heresy, (laughs) probably heresy, but it is a thing where you're like, oh, so that explanation doesn't work at all. Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves is a pretty good book. And given the subject, a pretty simply written book Mm -hmm. that deals with the topic of the Trinity and not just from a what is it standpoint, but also as the title gives away like the why this matters, not just from an intellectual standpoint, but from a worshiping God standpoint and delighting in him standpoint. And that is important. We're not just trying to wrap our heads around a thing for the sake of head knowledge. Like we need to, trying to understand the Trinity, I think should be more of a, I want to know God mm. and I want to relate to him. Yeah. Um, also, while you're looking up all the heresies, look up the split, the great schism, and um, mm. everything about the filioque clause, because that teaches Ooh. you a lot about the Trinity too. And, I will um, definitely not, check that yeah. out. Yeah. I don't know that one. I don't so really I'll... know where I fall on it because it is a <laughs> great, you know, disagreement. And I'm like, oh no, that, and it sounds silly at first. It's about the phrase of the Nicene Creed, whether or not it mm. should say that God sent the Holy Spirit or that God and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And it's one of them, oh. like, why does that matter? And then you start learning, okay. like, oh, no, this matters a lot. Yes. And, uh, and it sucks because I'm like, man, this matters a lot. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, though, because that's that was a big part of the Nicene Creed is understanding the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Wild. Wild stuff. Good well, stuff. that that's it for today's episode thank you josh this was good thank you Uh, of course and uh to you listeners at home i know it kind of sounds like we got to a place several times of i don't know when it came to answering these questions but honestly again going back to the very beginning that's where we are we are humans and there's (laughs) going to be times where we're just going to come up short on our understanding and maybe part of the blessing why we're given such a long life here of being able to sit in dialogue and wrestle with some of these questions throughout our life rather than just running our heads into a brick wall and then never coming back to the brick wall. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but thank you for again for listening. Uh, as always, you can go into the description of this episode to find all of the links to all the stuff. We've mentioned a couple of the other shows on the Anazal Ministries podcast network. You can subscribe to the different uh, feeds for Anna Zhao on, I think it's Apple Podcasts and Spotify, right? Is there one on Amazon? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's one on Amazon. You can do the Captive 8 link, but I feel like most people are just going to do it. Apple or Spotify is usually Apple easy. and Spotify. Yeah. Apple and Spotify for sure. You can subscribe there and just have a nice long list of all of the shows. Just right there. Super <laughs> easy. Um, especially if you already listen to a bunch of the shows anyway. You might as well just yeah. get... <laughs> Super inconvenient. Yes. Um, please recommend this show to somebody that you think might uh, grow from listening to it. Uh, 
And if you want to support the show financially, you can always go to buymeacoffee.com slash MSLpod, leave a one-time donation, or subscribe to one of our monthly tiers. For everyone who subscribes to the $9 a month tier, you get a shout out. You know, that one thing every listener wants on their favorite podcast. That's why Josh just keeps showing up. He gets them for free. Uh, <laughs> but we'll thank you, Lord. <laughs> right. Thank you, Lori, for supporting the show that way. Appreciate you so much. And that's it. And we will see you next time for another round of dialogues. But until then, I've been Brandon reminding you that theology is for everyone. So keep on studying.